This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. There's a common and regrettably widespread misconception that being disabled is equivalent to being asexual. To make matters worse, the conversation about sex and disability doesn't get as much airtime as it probably should. So for people with disabilities interested in exploring their sexuality, there is very little information or support and very few safe sex-positive spaces. Even as we make strides in all other areas of life, education or sport, employment or social inclusion, when it comes to this basic and fundamental issue, people with disabilities are still lagging behind. Ultimately, people with disabilities want what everyone else wants. Safe, consensual, loving, fulfilling, and exciting sex. Today, we discuss disability-inclusive sex practices. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joetha Gupta and I'm the host of the program. It's really great to be with you today. We have an exciting show with two wonderful guests. We're here to talk about a collaboration between the Treacherous Society of North America, Atlantic Chapters, as well as Venus Envy out in Halifax. They heard a concern from people within the disability community about the lack of accessible options when it came to equipment and sex toys to try and make sex an enjoyable and inclusive experience. So people got together and brainstormed some solutions. And out of that came a new collaboration that we're here to discuss today. I have two guests on the program. My first guest is Rochelle Minette, who is the education coordinator at Venus Envy in Halifax. And joining Rochelle is Andrew Jansen, Atlantic Regional Coordinator for the Tetra Society of North America. Andrew and Rochelle, a very warm welcome to both of you. It's really good to have you on the program. Yeah, thank you for having us. Great to be here. Thanks. Rochelle, let me start by talking to you a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about Venus Envy. What is it? Yeah, so uh, Venus Envy is an education-based sex shop and bookstore in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, yeah, we uh, recognize that, you know, a lot of sex shops can sort of have kind of freaky undertones for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, that sex doesn't necessarily get talked about. The education about sex that's out there is sort of few and far between. And so our sort of main mandate is to create opportunities for communication and education around sexuality. Mm. So what kind of programs do you offer, aside from the fact that you're, uh, you sell sex toys, presumably, and books and manuals? Uh, do you also offer workshops, for instance, and other programming that might help people get that conversation started? Yeah, we sure do. Um, yeah, we offer tons of different workshops um, sort of ongoing throughout the year, um, from things like consent and communication to like relationship structures like non-monogamy and polyamory to... Um, conversations about like chronic pain and sex um, to like simple, like how to give a blow job or like how to eat ass conversations. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, let me talk to Andrew a little bit. So, Andrew, everyone here has heard about the Chetra Society of North America, but we we may not all be entirely familiar with what you do. So tell us a little bit about the Chetra Society. What is your mission? Mm, the Tetra Society, um, we are across North America, and the goal of the organization is to um, help people with disabilities by providing volunteer-built custom-assistive devices that people need. And the, the context of all of those are when something just doesn't exist uh, commercially, it's just not available, that's where Tetra comes in to fill in those kinds of gaps. So we're powered by skilled volunteers, whether that's, you know, engineers or OTs or rec therapists or people who are very handy, who work one-on-one -on -one with people to create a custom solution for each person's individual needs. I've even had a device made myself, so I can speak to a, a bunch of different perspectives of that, but yeah. Oh, that's incredible. So tell us a little bit about some of the devices that the Tetra Society has made for people. Do you help kids? Do you help people at work? Do you help people uh, who are interested in playing a sport? Uh, what kind of requests do you act on? We have a wide variety. We have a small percentage of these that are on our website in our Tetra base, which we post photos and descriptions of a variety of ones that we've made, including adaptions for um, game system controllers or uh, ones where we have adapted someone's wheelchair with a, uh, a stroller adaption or a, ba a baby bouncer. Um, there's one recently in, in Newfoundland where we um, built um, something for someone to be, use, be able to use a, a compound bow and do recreation that way. Just thinking outside of the, the box about what is actually possible from day-to-day, -day, you know, accessing the bathroom or those kinds of everyday needs to exploring something new or something old. So, Andrew, um, how did the collaboration with Venus Envy come about? Did they contact you? Did you contact them? What was going on there? It, it happened a little bit naturally just in the overlaps of a variety of different community organizing, like, these types of topics come up in discussion a lot, actually. It's, it, to me, it's, it's not surprising that this has come to this point because I've had so many side conversations with community members, um, researchers, just anyone uh, really about this topic because it's one that everyone wants to talk about, but there's not a lot of spaces to. And so from my perspective, it happened very naturally of just kind of being in more of more of those conversations together and I've, I've personally been um, connected to this type of education, not necessarily specific to people with disabilities, but have been involved in um, youth programming around uh, sexual health for a long time. So it has fit very naturally into what I'm hoping to bring to community at large, too. Uh, Rochelle, I mean, is this something you've had experience with as well? Do people with disabilities often come into Venus Envy and look for accessible materials or equipment and find that there isn't anything there, that they want to talk about sex and disability? What, uh, what are you hearing on the ground? Yeah, so, I mean, I have some experience kind of outside of Venus Envy. Um, I recently, well, about a year ago now, finished a master's degree where my whole Masters actually focused on um, sex and disability and sort of like finding what kinds of supports existed. Um, and I mean, there wasn't a ton of support specifically in Halifax. Um, so I was already kind of off into that area myself. Um, and then working for Venus Envy, I'm sort of seeing that kind of stuff on the ground. 
um, where, you know, even, even like getting to the store, even getting in the store um, can be difficult for people with disabilities and with different kinds of mobility needs. And so, you know, there's, there's always kind of been these really like glaring gaps in what exists in our community. Um, but yeah, like people come in and I mean, I have tons of conversations with people about like sex toys, um, you know, working, but not being quite right for their body or, you know, not being able to figure out how to turn it on. And it just are these conversations that I'm having with people who may not be disabled, but sort of just kind of blend into the conversations that I'm having with people from the disability community. Um, just recognizing that, you know, sex toys for a long time were made specifically with attention to like penises and for like penetrative sex. Um, and now over the last sort of five or 10 years, we're finally seeing toys kind of take a turn to be more inclusive for a whole bunch of different kinds of bodies. Um, but there is still that sort of, we're, we're lagging behind a little bit in the, the sort of more attention towards bodies that often get forgotten about kind of in our society in general. So it sort of just feels like the perfect natural sort of next step of we're already seeing toys be made with a little bit more sort of forethought into more bodies and let's just take it a step further and actually create toys for even more bodies than we're already sort of expecting. Andrew, what a great place to bring you in. So if, we, if we're talking about creating sex toys for uh, people with disabilities, and you mentioned that the Tetra Society is driven by volunteers, what kind of volunteers are you looking for to design uh, sex toys for people with disabilities? I mean, there's a lot of skills that are very useful in, in this type of work. And a lot of it's about creativity and about trying things and um, approaching a problem from, from that perspective of opening up possibilities. And um, it's really focused around what people's needs are. So asking questions and being able to try things that, you know, if somebody is explaining what they're looking for, it's, a, it's not necessarily the volunteer who has to come up with all the ideas, which is a collaborative process. So the volunteers are about bringing different skill sets, whether it's about, you know, um, mechanics or woodworking or 3D printing or about physiology and about how bodies work and, you know, relating those kinds of things to come together as a group to bring that, that diverse skill set to say, we need all of those parts. How do we together come up with something that's, uh, that's going to work? And as part of that, our adaptions, some of them will be adaptions um, that are a new item, and some will be modifying something that already exists. And that really lends to like a lot of different possibilities just by trying things. You don't have to be a technician or someone with a, an academic experience to do this kind of thing. We're looking for anyone who can see themselves offering to that space. What kind of a role do you think people with disabilities can play in this process? I mean, I'm sure you don't want it to be top-down, Andrew. So are people with disabilities encouraged to participate by contributing ideas, acting as consultants? What kind of a, a role do you see for people with disabilities themselves? In this project, at the forefront, um, and in all of the ones with Tetra, that's that's what we are striving for. It's the, the items that we're making, if it's not the person with the disability directing what's happening, it might, it's probably not going to meet the need um, because that's just making sure that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to meet whatever that person is trying to accomplish. If my workstation, the person who was building it didn't, didn't take my direction in making it, 
it wouldn't do what I needed it to do. So in all of these ways, people with disabilities really are the directors in this and kind of controlling what is going to end up happening um, and feedback for the process. You know, it's about having that fully involved. So Rochelle, tell us a little bit more about how the project will actually run. Are you looking to have um, panels or discussions with groups of people with disabilities? Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but are you sort of foreseeing an end to the project? When will these sex toys be available to people? Yeah, so I think we're sort of in our very initial stages right now. And so we're kind of working through things. And and I, I think there isn't necessarily a very clear idea of when this will this will necessarily be done. And I think it'll be an ongoing project. Um, like maybe there isn't really kind of an end time. Um, but yeah, the first step, the thing that we've already started with is actually recruiting um, participants, people who do have disabilities um, to engage in conversation, sort of focus group style, interview style, just depending on what people are more comfortable with and actually asking the questions like, what do you, what do you need and what has worked before? What have you tried? What kind of things have been available to you and what do you wish was available to you? And actually starting the process off talking to people um, and finding out what they've tried in the first place. I mean, the, the disability community are really the most like creative um, when it comes to our own lives. Like we've, we've been the ones who have said, this isn't working for me. I'm going to need to figure something else out. And because there isn't a ton of support out there for this kind of stuff, a lot of people have just kind of tried it on their own. And so using those kinds of ideas, but maybe to make something a bit more permanent or a bit more um, like workable is kind of what some of our, our really big goals are here. So we're going to be including um, yeah, the disability community right from the get-go. Um, yeah, actually, we, uh, we put out like a, a form to sort of ask folks to apply to be part of this project. And we've had so many responses already, very exciting. And it's just, it's become so clear how much this project is needed and how many people are interested in working with us. Um, yeah, so there's still one more day of opportunity for people who want to be a part of that. It closes um, on uh, February 12th. My name is Joita Gupta, and with me are Rochelle Minette, who is the Education Coordinator for Venus Envy, a sex store and bookstore in Halifax. And with Rochelle, I have Andrew Jansen, who is the Atlantic Regional Coordinator for Tetra Society of North America. Rochelle, aside from the benefits to people with disabilities in having access to sex toys that are accessible, are you also hopeful that it's going to help to start a conversation about the importance of discussing disability and sexuality? Because sexuality on its own doesn't get talked about. Uh, so are you actually hopeful that by including the point of view of people with disabilities, we're going to extend our conversation of sex and sexuality? Yeah, I mean, I'm always I'm always hopeful that our sort of society will start to understand that like sex doesn't have to be a taboo topic. It's something that people engage with um, and have been engaging with for really since like dawn of time um, and that it doesn't have to be something we're embarrassed about. And so I do appreciate um, sort of how much like traction this is getting and how these conversations are already opening up. Um, yeah, that has been really cool to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm also um, sort of cognizant in that it shouldn't be up to people who are sort of the most marginalized in society to like start these conversations. These things should already be happening. 
Um, and so, yeah, that I, I just am, am hopeful that, yes, this carries on bigger conversations, but I also think that these conversations need to be popping up already, sort of without relying on, like, just the disabled community to make that happen. You know, I can't remember where I read this, Rochelle, but um, I do remember reading somewhere this idea that talking about disability and sexuality or thinking about a person with a disability as a sexual being was in and off of itself a radical act. Would you go so far as to say that it's radical? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I think this sort of goes for any, um, yeah, any sort of marginalized community um, sort of taking back what's been taken away from them. And, you know, there is a very long history of people with disabilities being desexualized and infantilized and being treated like non-sexual beings and also being treated as like subhuman. Um, and that is like a really messed up thing to see. So, yes, there definitely is some piece to this of sort of, you know, taking back what's ours, taking back our own human rights and our sexual rights, which have been sort of, yeah, torn away from us for a really long time. It almost seems, Andrew, that it's a function of ableism in a lot of ways, the the infantilization of people with disabilities or the desexualization of people with disabilities could be seen as a function of ableism, just as physical barriers, you know, the lack of a wheelchair accessible doorway or a ramp could be seen as a physical barrier and a function of ableism in sort of keeping with your work at the Tetris Society and the ethos around being allies to people with disabilities by finding creative out-of-the-box out of solutions. Do you think that by working on this project and designing accessible sex toys, there's a conversation to be had about how people who may not identify as people with disabilities nevertheless have a role to play to support people with disabilities as allies as they, that is to say people with disabilities, explore their sexuality? Definitely. Yeah, Tetra in itself is a huge part of it is about that collaboration, about bringing people together across disability and and people who don't have disabilities, um, to 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 you know build understanding and connection and find the ways that there are commonalities and those conversations that happen between Tetra volunteers and clients. Some volunteers also have disabilities. It's it's not a either or kind of situation, but the types of conversations and and the learnings that people have in that, it's amazing to see because it creates this space that doesn't exist in a lot of other places. Um, so yeah, it definitely, there's a lot of ways that just by creating spaces like this, we can open up those conversations and um, address that the underlying things around ableism, both physical and attitudinal barriers. Rochelle, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned some of the programming uh, offered at Venus Envy and talked about uh, offering programming that doesn't just look at sex as being uh, monogamous or heterosexual or disinvolving cis folk. Uh, when we think about disability and sexuality, how important is it to consider um, that the kind of sex that people with disabilities may want to have would not necessarily be all of those things that they, people with disabilities might also be seeking non-monogamous sex or might be uh, seeking, um, you know, queer relationships. So how how do we how important is it to factor in all those intersecting identities? Yeah, I mean it's incredibly important to sort of answer the question briefly. Um, yeah, I 
for me at least, um, I mean, I am queer and genderqueer and disabled myself, and it's really important for all parts of me to be considered when I'm talking about my sexuality. And, you know, those, the pieces of me don't just, don't just sort of not exist because one part of me is being focused on. And so being able to, you know, the way that I run all of my workshops, regardless of what the topic is, is through an anti-ableist, and uh, like a non-hetero or cis-normative sort of lens um, to really try to say like, you know, the, the type of sex that's been sort of fed to us, the things that we're supposed to understand sex as are very much coming from this idea of an ableist perspective. You know, we are told what sex is from a very straight and cisgender perspective and also from a very colonial perspective um, and very like shame driven. And so we're really trying to kind of open that conversation to say like sex is really whatever you want it to be. Like the things that bring you pleasure are so like awesome and valid um, and that they don't have to look just one way. And the sooner we realize that, the better the kind of sex we're going to have. Um, and so really, like, all of the workshops that we do kind of are framed around that. We don't necessarily look at, you know, penetrative sex or, like, specifically, like, heteronormative or cisnormative sex um, or able-bodied sex to be the norm and then try to kind of, like, put extra things onto that. We're really coming at it from, like, a this is the parts of our body that we're looking at. And these are all the ways that we can explore these things. So Andrew, when these accessible sex toys are ready to go, do you think they'll only be available to folks living in Halifax or do you hope that people across North America will adopt them? Are you hoping to work on any related projects, maybe accessible sex manuals or something? I mean, what, what is the future of the project as you see it? Yeah, the future. I, I mean, I hope there are lots of possibilities that we can we can look at once we've passed the initial phase in Halifax to see what we can do. The Tetra, you know, we have chapters across Canada and North America, and so there's a lot of potential there. We post all of the projects that are completed online so that people can see the designs and how to approach it if somebody wants to use that same device or modify it in another place. We want to make that as possible as we can. So, yes, there's there's definitely things that we would want to continue to explore to see if we can bring this to as many people as possible. Well, Rochelle and Andrew, thank you both for being on the program. It's been a, a, a lot of fun getting to talk to you. And I have to admit, the time has just sped, sped past. I looked up and I said, wow, half an hour is over already. <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure to get to speak to this. I'm I'm so excited how much sort of traction this project is getting. It's just so clear that people want this type of, of service and support. Definitely. It's got great energy. So thank you for having us. That was Rochelle Manette, uh, Education Coordinator for Venus Envy in Halifax, and joining Rochelle, Andrew Jansen, who is the Atlantic Regional Coordinator for the Tetra Society of North America. Both organizations are collaborating on a project to create sex, in, uh, to create disability-inclusive sex toys, and I hope to maybe keep track of this for you, and we'll put up some links on our website where you can follow along with uh, the project and see how they're faring in the years, uh, in the months probably, and, and years to come. If you missed any of my conversation with Andrew and with Rochelle, you can always find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. 
while you're there, don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe. You can also head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse where we might have a little bit more to say although I, I admit i've been a bit quiet on the blog of, of late but um if i will definitely put the link up on ami.ca forward slash on the pulse i'd like to thank andrew jensen for being on the program today as well as rochelle manette for being my guest on the pulse for today sam robinson was our technical producer and finestrine abdul majid andy frank is the manager of ami audio and Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe, everyone, and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.